What the hell happened to wrestling? Welcome, Adam. Hello, welcome to episode 71 of the Middle Hello. East Outlaws podcast. How on earth are you? Happy 2024. I, I feel about 71. Um, oh. Yeah, but no, all good. Um, yeah, it's 2024. That's going to be a struggle to remember, but yeah, all <laughs> new good. New year, new year, new you? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> new year, same. Same old me. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. new year, new us. Is it not? It's it's a, a, a new fun journey. It is. It is indeed. Reddit make an impact, if you will. Wow. <sighs> yeah, we're 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 in January, and we're all set for a new journey, which is which is going to be interesting, based on the the first little foray into TNA, total nonstop action. Yeah, did you yeah. enjoy your first foray? I, 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 actually, I should ask you, what have you watched of TNA? Because I have watched zero. So I had watched little bits and pieces. I don't know that I ever watched any of this era. I remember seeing some bits and pieces um, when Christian was there, um, which obviously were not far away from but yes. uh, yeah. I don't remember watching any show before he was there and I don't remember I think I once saw a show that had a Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe main event as well that sounds um, awesome yeah but not not a huge amount so this was this was definitely new to me okay um, b- before we get started and talk about what we're going to talk about today which is TNA Bound for Glory 2005 um, and just for for clarity, we're we're going to do similar to what we did with the WCW journey and the Halloween Havocs, in that we're going to follow the the Bound for Glories pay per views through the years, um, which should be interesting. Um, and Bound for Glory was billed as TNA's WrestleMania. Um, supposedly, I think I said this last time. I would have went with Slammiversary as their as their tent pole. That just sounds awesome. It's a, it's a good name. It is a good name. Um, yeah. But no, they went with with Bound for Glory. Unfortunately, we're not doing. We should have done Victory Roads so that we got the Jeff Hardy drunk <laughs> match no. against Sting. But unfortunately, not. Um, <laughs> before we get started, there's a couple of things we sh- we uh, I want to go through. So during our Halloween Havoc journey. Um, we were watching the horror movie from the year that we uh, were covering. Um, we were just going to continue that tradition because it's been quite fun. Uh, unfortunately, I have been a lazy, lazy middle-aged outlaw and I have uh, not watched this week's movie. So um, before I hand over to you to talk about The Descent from 2005, which you've watched, I thought, because I've not done this, I would at least come with my hat in hand and give you something else very quickly instead. I've got a top five, my top five animals in wrestling. 
Can I give that to you now? Please, yeah. Okay, counting down from five, I've got the rattlesnake which bit Triple H in the face in October 99 when okay. he was feuding with Stone Cold. Do you remember he then had that hideous stuff on his face and he pulled it off? Oh, I those do are like, know. This must yeah. be like really early Smackdown days. Yeah. Ugh. So that's number five. Mm-hmm. At number four, coming at number four, I've got Larry Brooks. Um, you know, you know Larry. Do you know Larry? Larry? No, CM Punk's dog, Larry, the the dog. Oh, okay. Um, the only participant in the brawl out to survive without an NDA, <laughs> supposedly. Um, at number three, I've got Frankie Ware. Uh, oh yeah, famously of Coco Beware's shoulder. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, everybody likes Frankie. At number two, someone that we've come in, not in close contact with, but that but that we have watched. It's the Komodo dragon wearing a leather waistcoat, which um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat <laughs> brought with him to the ring at the Great American Bash 1989. So weird. <laughs> and number one, had to be Damien. Yeah. Probably the only thing that's ever bit Randy Savage and survived. Yeah. yeah. What uh, what inspired you to come up with the list? I have no, I have no idea. Coffee. This is the kind of thing you think about when Apparently, you're when you've yeah. got a spare few minutes. Okay, Apparently fair so. enough. Um, I would have loved to have included the bear that Khabib Nurmagomedov wrestled as a child, but unfortunately, okay. it's, it's strictly professional wrestling. Okay. Um, anywho. There we go. Would you have had anybody you'd want to I've throw been, on that I've been list? I'm trying to think, but there's not much. Like, I'm not going to put Bad News Brown sewer rats in there. That that, oh, wow. that doesn't seem. Nah, I remember the British Bulldogs had a bulldog that they came down to the they ring did. with for a while. Matilda. Um, Matilda. Did consider Matilda. Yeah, I can't really think of other options. That's 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 me pretty much out. To be fair, I, I did sort of put you on the spot there, so. Yeah. Okay, you are going to talk about um, 2005's Descent, a, a class horror movie which I have seen before, but yeah, uh, the, the floor is yours. Okay, so um, I'll I'll just read out at first the sort of IMDb headline um, spiel about the film. Um, a caving ex- expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. Um, but I don't know that that really scratches the surface mm-hmm. of this film. Um, so... Basically, we've got a, a group of girls who enjoy um, their adventure, outdoor adventure activities. Um, it becomes very, very clear at the start that um, one of them is having relations with another one's husband. Um, the the relations. Woman, <laughs> the, the woman in that family um, goes through a horrific situation where there's a car accident and her husband and a young child pass away. Um, is that that's our main character? Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we kind of fast forward twelve months, and uh, the group of girls are getting back together um, for what seems like the first time, and they're uh, going on a new adventure together, uh, which is going to be going down into a cave. Um, now, this is where, for me, the um, the scares are real, mm-hmm. because the whole thing about 
crawling through narrow spaces and plunging down into darkness and various things that go on early in this film like a woman falls through a hole that she can't see until she's fallen through it and breaks her leg and the bones sticking out of the leg and all that these are the moments that i found most horrific in the film um so turns out they, they they get stuck one of them gets a bit trapped manages to get out but their their way out caves in behind them and um, so they're trapped in this cave it then transpires that they're not in the cave that everyone thought they were going to they're in a different one uh, one of the girls thought it would be fun to try and conquer one that wasn't so touristy one, so uh, without telling them Yes. Without sharing that information. Wow. Yeah. So they don't have a map that can help them. And also, nobody knows they're down there. Everyone thinks they're down this other Of cave. course. Um, so that was all the, what have I described it as? The harlot. The one that Ooh. was uh, having, having the affair. She is clearly, they play this up in the film, she's racked with guilt about the fact she was having this relationship with this man and he's now died. And she's trying to, I think you know clean her own mind about everything that's going on and and get back in the good graces of the film then some pretty strange things start happening Mm -hmm. um they first they stumble upon all these animal carcasses um and they're like "Uh oh that's 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 not great um and then we see our first like ghoul i'll refer to it as like this creepy thing crawling through the the cave and trying to attack them and that's where the the sort of the film changes really it becomes about this attempt to survive and get out while they're being hunted by these ghoulish things that that are living down in the caves um and uh, we we get we sort of as we draw to a conclusion but it's probably quite predictable that we end up with just the this sort of lead character who'd lost her daughter and husband and the other woman who was sleeping with the, the, the Jezebel husband. Yeah, it's a great word that. Um, and you're you're going through a bit with with the woman about because she now knows that uh, not only I think knows that someone was going on with her husband, but also knows that this girl left one of their friends for dead down in the cave. Um, and is she going to go back and save her? Now, it does have a, one of those endings that kind of leaves you a little bit. I'm not quite sure which the real ending was. Yeah, um, isn't isn't there multiple endings for this? Is it? I, th- yeah. I feel like it's an American ending and a UK ending, possibly. Okay, so the ending I got, um, the the girl basically she she stabs her former pal and escapes. Uh, the the sort of heroic woman stabs the the Jezebel and escapes. <laughs> gets out, uh, gets to her car, drives for a bit, pulls over. Um, and then she turns and sees like an image of the friend that she has just left for dead in the passenger seat. Um, and then she flashes back to immediately being in the cave. She never actually made it out yep. by, by the look of that. Um, and she's still haunted by the images of her daughter and all that kind of thing. And it's, you know, by then it's like being in the cave is a metaphor. Um, she's trapped. She can't escape from the hell she's gone through. Um, but as, I did think that there that there had been an end where she really did escape, um, because I think the second film, because there is a sequel, yeah. begins with her. Nobody's believing her that this actually happened and and all that, and people I think go back to the site. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting ending because when it happened, I was a bit shocked. Cause I thought that's now how not how this ended, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Good film, but for me, 
the real scares aren't the ghouls because I'm, I'm not I, I don't I don't buy that as much as just the horrible claustrophobic feeling yeah. of being stuck in a cave and the darkness and the no escape and all that which uh, which were the parts I enjoyed is enjoyed the right word uh, good film it's a great film it's one of those things where <clears throat> it would be scary enough without the the mm-hmm. the, the ghoul as, as you're describing it. Um, and I think if you went into this film without knowing anything about it, um, you would probably assume that the scary aspects are that part of it, are getting caught underground and all mm. that sort of stuff. And then yeah. you get the, the Gollum-type character that's... Uh, is there multiple, multiple ghouls, or is it just the one? Yeah, there's multiple. So you, I think you see one in the first instance, um, and then there's a point where I think they're they're like shining a light up towards the the... the the top just to see if they can see anything in terms of an escape route and you just see them all along the, <sighs> the, the yeah the top of the cave um i think I, I think as you get older but certainly for me claustrophobia has become mm-hmm. worse and worse as i've got gotten older i don't know what that yeah. is um i can remember being in you know like one of these um big wooden tree hut huge things kids mm-hmm. can go and play in it and going underneath uh, along a pipe and like stopping halfway and crapping myself and being like nah this isn't for me anymore <laughs> yeah I suppose that's the middle aged part yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, well well, I apologise for no not getting to the descent um, I'll get to our next one yeah, yeah. it was good it was a good it was a good start I, okay. I enjoyed it um, okay, let's talk to you, uh, Before we do, would you like me to give you a little bit of um, sort of teeing up the background as to how we got to where we got to today? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's probably going to be incorrect and um, it's probably going to be very brief, but I'll try. Okay. Uh, so so TNA sort of um, was born out of WCW being bought by WWF, WWE uh, and ECW. And and we see that uh, f- from this pay per view that we're very ECW heavy. Um, Jar- Jarrett's obviously WCW, and so so TNA first sort of turned up around about two thousand and two. Jerry and Jeff Jarrett went together, put their own money in um, to try and start this new company. To start off with, they were running weekly pay per views. Did you know that? I yeah, I'd heard that or read that somewhere, and it, it just sounds like such a weird concept. But they had no TV, yeah. Um, yeah. so really, their their only way of doing it was this, was starting this, running these weekly pay per views. They had Vince Russo attached with Creative. I think they had Ed Ferrara as well. Um, I think they must have run into sort of financial bother pretty pretty early on mm-hmm. uh, 2002 is at this point in time that the Carter family um, they control a company called Panda Energy um, they specialise in the construction of power plants, anyway they, they somehow managed to, to get them to put money into TNA and then they end up buying TNA, so that was only after four months of running these, these weekly pay-per-views Um they eventually end up starting something called Explosion, a television show called okay. Explosion, um, and begin growing. Through 2004, they start their Impact uh, TV show. Um, and then 
later into 2005, they, they, I think they got some footing with Fox Sports and then eventually on the Spike TV with their television shows. So uh, they are uh, so establishing themselves. And, and, and in 2004, they decided to go into monthly pay-per-views, um, which is quite, I mean, the, the weekly pay-per-view thing just sounds insane but mm-hmm. once well, now that we have got the benefit of hindsight we see the AEW uh, startup model of four pay-per-views a year yeah. ballsy to have went straight into the WWE blueprint of 12 pay-per-views a year mm-hmm. um, yeah. but I suppose, and, and WCW obviously and I suppose that is what was done at that point in time and, and they obviously yeah. felt confident enough to do it so um, by the time we get round to Bound for Glory 2005, we've had roughly about a year's worth of pay-per-views. Um, okay. Within that time, we've had Randy Savage turn up as a, 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 a one pay-per-view, I think he did, in 2004. Yeah. We've had Nash, Hall, you know, they, they developed a good working relationship with Ring of Honor, a good working relationship with New Japan. So they're doing things, What's you know, like... Again, in hindsight and and from the outside looking in, they're they're doing stuff the way you would probably want to do it. Uh huh. Yeah. And I I, th- I think getting the impression from the stuff that we've seen on this pay per view, their fans very much see them as a professional wrestling company versus the sports entertainment at WWE. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is interesting as well because some of the stuff that we see uh, in this pay per view alone makes you kind of question that a little bit <laughs> um, so yeah that kind of takes us to where we are today in terms of titles they've got their they've got a working relationship with the NWA so their main champion is the NWA uh, world heavyweight champion they've got an X division um, how how would you describe the X division uh, oh, it's difficult isn't it I suppose it's um, rather than being body size or body type it's more like style, style. Mm-hmm. yeah um a sort of high risk style um yeah. and very athletic very even the bigger guys agile um yes it's it's a hard one i think to explain it kind of has to be seen to be understood i yeah. think i'd agree with that um i believe they've got the nwa tag team titles yeah uh, i think that's it no, no women's, no women's division at this point. Mm-hmm. No hardcore division. Certainly, as, as far as titles concerned, you've yeah. got Raven there, and they, they do a lot of the Ravens rules mm-hmm. matches on their pay per views. Uh, commentary wise, we've got Mike Tenay and Don West on commentary. We are in the Impact Zone, which I, I think we must be in the Impact Zone for a good long period yeah. of time yeah, um, before right. they start going out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, something like around about 900 people attending yeah. uh, this and I think that's probably capacity for the impact zone mm-hmm. um, in Orlando, Florida. So how did TNA, Bound for Glory 2005, how did it treat you Adam? What did you think uh, of overall? I, I quite enjoyed some of it. No, I enjoyed some of it. I thought some of it was fine. I thought some of it wasn't great. It was a mixed bag but um, it caught me enough to make me think oh i i'm interested in what's next i I didn't watch it and think this was bad i watched it and thought "Mm, 
they could do some things differently, but I like what they're doing with several elements of what's going on. Uh, they've got some really talented performers, and they're guys that are, you know, household names now, which is interesting, um, but who were getting probably their first break of any reasonable size uh, at the time. Um, there's there's some good matches on here. There's there's one what I thought was very good match, um, and there's enough, as I say, sort of interesting aspects going on for me. Think. And uh, what do you make of the six sided ring? I like it. I like, I think it's different. I think, um, you know, we talked, we've talked a few times about, you know, if you're, when WCW talked about being bigger than, or better than, worse than, same as, or different, you mm-hmm. know, um, I think this was going for different and it comes across as different here. I think some of the movements don't always look as natural at times, uh, but there's probably guys that are totally used to four-side rings here um, who are trying to adapt. But I like the sort of slightly different options it gives at times. Um, and I think it gives just the look and feel of it something a bit a bit different. And yeah. I think they have to be an alternative. That's what they need to try and be. And those are the bits for me that work in this, where it gets a bit of a feel of WWE light is where it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I really like the six-sided ring and that's something that, um, you know, the table for three things that they do on Mm -hmm. the WWE Network. AJ Styles is on that, I think, with maybe Angle and and Small Joe or something like that. Um, And he said that that's why he liked it, because it made us different. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're right, like, they have to go for that. There's no way they're they're competing, especially Uh sort of just out the gate, although they've been going since 2002, but they're not competing, so make it different. And I, I yeah. think if, if I'd been watching wrestling in 2005 and had watched this, I think I would get behind it. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably be quite yeah. interested in it. Um, so I'm quite quite excited to watch some of these pay-per-views. Yeah. Shall nice. we dive in? Yeah, let's go. Okay, match one is Samoa Joe. Versus Jushin Thunder Liger. We mentioned the partnership in New Japan. I think we see one of the Anokis uh, in the crowd as Liger's coming out. How did you find this opening contest? I like what I immediately felt like they're going for with Joe. Um, I feel like Samoa Joe is a guy that they are getting ready at some point to go all in on. The yeah, Jushin Liger's a legend elsewhere. You know, he's uh, it's it's a I think a big match to put him in without having him in one of the main matches. Yeah. If you like, yeah. Um, they make I, I was so like blown away by how young facially Samoa Joe <laughs> looked. Like as soon as it started, I was like, Jesus! It's like how, it's like it's not possible for him to look that young. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, you think of him as one of these guys that's always looked like, you know, what he looks like now. Grizzled yeah. badass. Yeah, but um, they, they make him and they make him look like a badass here. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's, I think there's, they're, they're doing their best to build the match. They're talking about it as like a, like her being a legend, Joe 
being their guy so it's a dream match for that and I like the way that the announcers are, are building that and getting behind that um, every now and then there's just like this these vicious power moves by Joe and you're yeah. like oh and I think this is before it used to happen but you can totally see where the Joe's going to kill you chance yeah. started up from the crowd because he's he's just a badass mm-hmm. yeah he's scary um, the, the, he's so big and then he runs the ropes so fast uh-huh. And these ropes are tight, um, and you just see them sort of flying off off the mm-hmm. ropes. Um, yeah, I, I thought it's a great opener, a really mm-hmm. good way uh, to get the pay per view started. It didn't outstay its welcome. It was here. They went for it really fast and uh, and with pace, and and then it was it was out again. And mm-hmm. I like that. It didn't have to. Oh, a lot of time these days, every match needs to be a dream match or, or like a, a five star uh-huh. yeah. match. Yeah. And, and this, I think, this went eight minutes or something like that. They did everything okay. that needed to do, and yeah. um, and that was it. And it gets Joe over massively because, mm-hmm. like you say, Liger's this sort of legendary character. Mm-hmm. And it was decisive. I always wonder. See, when you've got guys coming in from other organisations, is there a little bit of a we need to protect our guy mm-hmm. or we need to protect our guy? Um, but it was a decisive win against a, a big name. Um, and yeah, I, I've always liked Samoa Joe. I liked him when he came into WWE as well. He's got something about him. He's got an aura about he's him. Aye, um, absolutely. And I thought, you know, this. I definitely saw him at times in TNA previous years, but this would have been the earliest I'd ever seen him in a match. And you can see right from here, he's 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 got it. Hundred percent. Um, we like the little details uh, a lot of the time when we're we're talking about these matches. A nice wee detail that I liked. Um, Liger tries to get Joe up for a suplex, and he, he can't he can't quite get it, so he stomps on his foot. Yeah. Joe lifts his foot, and he fisherman suplexes him when he when he lifts yep. the foot. Stuff like that is just yes, yes. love that. Yep. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I hate seeing that muscle buster thing that, that Joe does um, that looks like it just hurts and yeah. it doesn't seem to be a way that it cannot hurt it, do- it does and I was surprised because he does it and then he goes for the choke because I yeah. thought the muscle buster would just be the end yeah, but then he's, yeah, he goes for the the choke um, yeah I think the, the, did they mention an undefeated run here as yeah, well yeah they're talking about choke? a streak eh? and yeah. it's funny because you know, like something like Especially mentioning that word, a streak. You're coming out of WCW and all that. You just think Goldberg, but I think with Joe, like he's a kind of character where you 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 don't immediately roll your eyes and go, oh, "Look, they're going Goldberg with him or whatever." Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. feel like that. It feels yeah. like legitimate, um, yeah. which is great. So, I good a good start and a, a, a good yeah. win for Samoa Joe. Um, we get a little bit of footage of their TNA fan fest, and this is where you get the fans sort of saying, oh, it's not like a soap opera and all this sort of stuff. It's quite funny. Um, I th- did, I, did I hear this right? They called their fan fest total non-stop interaction. I think so, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That is, it's, like, yeah. tremendous. Brilliant. <laughs> um, then we go backstage. We get... Um, Simon Diamond giving his diamonds in the rough stable a bit of, uh, yeah diamonds in the rough stable a bit yeah. of a pep talk before their um, six man tag match that they've got coming up um, which is our next match and this 
you know, we started out strong and then we got this and I was like, oh, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- these matches are to be expected, but at the same time, it's just about, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so yeah. Se- second match was Simon Diamond, Elec- Elix Skipper and David Young taking on Apollo, Shark Boy and Sonny Siaki. And as soon as they said Shark Boy, I thought, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I want to watch this because the only thing I knew about Shark Boy was is that he had like he did like a Steve Austin gimmick. Oh yeah, that's right. But I don't think I didn't think he was doing that here. Yeah. Um, but nah, n- this wasn't <laughs> wasn't a great, was it? It it did bring you back down, <laughs> like as you say, from a good start and uh, like a. A pretty intense start. It felt like a little bit of, almost like it was designed to be there and, mm. and bring you down a little bit. I think I assume for things like this, they're just trying to get a bunch of their guys on the card and, yeah. and have a match. I think there's, you know, there, there's names that became familiar to me. Like I, I, I know some of the names that are in there, that, um, but none of them. I didn't feel like the match gave any of them a real platform to stand out or anything like that. It was just a bit of a mishmash. It it definitely was. It, it felt a bit WCW for me in that it was just a, turned into a bit mayhem at some points. Yeah. There was people, there was about, you know, four or five people in the ring. The ref completely mm-hmm. lost control. Yeah. It wasn't great. I think they had something with that Apollo guy, but he was clearly quite green, I think. Yeah. He was a big lad, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it felt like he was the one they were trying to put over. But there were there were times when there were people in the ring, and I was kind of looking, and I was like, I "Don't actually even know for sure which side <laughs> this guy's on." So, yeah, um, yeah, Apollo. I think they gave him. Did he do a big like RKO diamond cutter type move on someone at a point, and they were trying to sell it as as a as a big deal? But I'm not sure it ever quite worked out for the guy. Mm. It was during this match that the commentators started talking about what the main event was going to be, and that was going to be Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash, but they were talking about Kevin Nash having pulled out due to some sort of medical emergency. And I think this was legit. I think this was around about a time where he was worried he was having a heart attack. I think he was having oh, some sort of panic okay. attack okay. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but he, he's talked in the past about his dad having had heart issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so I think this was legit. Uh, the Diamonds in the Rough get the win after David Young hits quite an impressive spine buster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not a great second yeah. match. Um, this is where we get our first sight of uh, Mike Tenay. And uh, oh god, I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Don West. Don West. Don West. Yeah. Um, for what I know about Don West, it's that he wasn't like the most technically gifted um, uh-huh. wrestler, like person with the greatest wrestling knowledge. But he's just really enthusiastic. Yeah, and it seems to be quite a well loved character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they they had there was definitely a couple of podcasts that that pointed at him last year when he died. I oh, think it was it? last year he oh, died. Really? Right, um, but he'd worked in various companies and I, I sort of heard um, Bruce Pritchard was talking about him. Bruce Pritchard did a while in TNA and he said, you know, he's he's not, this is never going to be a guy that sits there and talks about arm drags and stuff like that. But like he must have had multiple roles within the company. It was like he, he you know, 
could sell anything to anyone. Brilliant. So you put him with a microphone in his hand and he is going to get you enthusiastic about whatever is on the show. Um, and yeah, he seemed to be universally very, very much loved. Nice. I, I, so yeah, have... I, I can see, because you, you've got, we've had Mike Tenay a few times in the WCW shows and he's He's quite good in some ways, and then he starts annoying you a wee bit in other ways. Um, and he's given you maybe unnecessary information at times. So I think it's maybe quite a good balance to have somebody who's just there and, and loving it, regardless of, of what's going on. Yeah, I didn't have any complaints about them, to be honest. They probably did a good job in that they didn't really stand out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I quite quite enjoyed them overall. Uh, what do we get? Yes, so we get to know. Uh, and Don West recapping some of the dark matches, which would have been nice to see. They talk about Roderick Strong and Austin Aries, I think. Uh, Sanjay Dark, maybe. Um, They also do a bit of a recap of some stuff that's happened between Raven and Rhino and uh, a massively irate Larry Zbysko, who um, appears to be the the, uh, authority figure in TNA. Um, he's playing it well. He, I think every time we see him in this pay per view, he's just really angry. It's it's a funny one because <laughs> he's you know he's Larry Zbysko, and I think you know he's obviously he's a big name. He's held in high esteem. He does seem massively pissed off with everyone who speaks to him and asks him a question <laughs> about anything. But you've got like uh, he's 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 referred to as kind of the on screen authority figure, but it's made clear that there are other people pulling the strings it's like he is there yeah, to be the one man. that's there yeah. um and also is this is this where we first see shane douglas in like as a backstage interviewer yeah. um, which i was not expecting to see at all it kind of <laughs> took me a, took me aback a bit so yeah this is when we see uh, shane douglas with jeff jarrett and and jarrett starts kind of promoting that nash is dodging him and all this sort of stuff um and we then get Monty Brown cutting into the picture. He says that uh, because Jarrett's saying, like, who am I going to be facing? Like, you need to tell me who am I going to be mm-hmm. facing? Uh, Monty Brown says that Jeff Jarrett is scared of him. Um, he probably mentions the pounce. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, so at this point, I, I, I'd love to know a little bit more about this pay-per-view and if they, they really were, like, sort of uh, behind-the-scenes trying to throw together some rambling yeah, yeah something together or what they were doing what what did you think of uh douglas and his um like overacting uh-huh. uh, yeah I, I found it facial really expressions were like too much like i think as soon as the the initial shock had gone past and i was like okay He's just, he's having fun with this. He's just throwing himself fully into it. I quite enjoyed it, but he's, like, he's obviously trying to make himself irritating <laughs> in a lot of ways, and he's he's doing it. <laughs> but it was, I don't know, I just found it really a, a strange idea for where, he, <laughs> for where he was used, but I quite enjoyed it in the end. It's funny because the characters he's played, you, you wouldn't peg him as the backstage interview. No. You, you had yeah. him as the, the um, authority figure or something like mm-hmm. that, an arrogant uh, or aggressive sort of character. Like you say, he's, he's playing playing about with it. Sort of I, th- I think he's almost playing it like 
he feels he should be the authority figure <laughs> because the way he's laying into Zabisco at times mm. is, is so aggressive. With like, it, There's a point where he never lets him answer. He's just badgering him with question after question after question. I wonder it, if that's... Is, is that later on? He's like, he's just he's so. like properly yeah. questioning him. Like, are you really yeah. going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> ah, class. Okay. Uh, our next match is match three on the card. It is Lance Hoyt. Versus Monte Brown, Lance Hoyt these days uh, can be found in AEW's Lance Archer. Monte Brown can no longer be found in any wrestling promotion. You wonder where it's going with that. Um, but he did he did appear in WWE as Marcus Von Cor. Is that right? Cor Von. Cor Von, was it? Yeah. Um, really surprising. Uh, not surprising that they that they took him because I. I think there's a character there with Monty Brown and finding out that he was a, an American football player, I think he's pretty decent in the ring actually compared to you know, we've went through years of watching Steve McMichael so uh, he's pretty the, good in the ring um, the, There was a, there's a full like Jeff Jarrett podcast episode talking about Monty Brown because I think Conrad Thompson felt like he was the one and where did it all go wrong? Like oh, right. why why didn't it work? Why mm-hmm. didn't he become the main guy? Um, it was it was an interesting listen because Jarrett, who's obviously in charge here, is massively in on him. Um, but I think there was maybe the sort of questions about how maybe how badly he wanted it and things like that yeah. were, were maybe an issue. And I think Jarrett tried to talk him out of jumping to WWE, basically saying, stay here, be on TV, learn the ropes more, and then you know, in a couple of years, you can go. Mm-hmm. You'll have been a headliner here, and then you go. Um, but he, he just wanted to go straight away. I think that's interesting. Yeah, that must have been two thousand six. He was at the. Um, he was in WWECW in, in two thousand six. Okay. So it must be a short stay. Yeah. In TNA, yeah. uh, what do you think? Uh, Big Hoyt versus Monty B. Um, I thought, I thought it was all right. It was <laughs> like the the. Uh, Again, it's pretty clear they're they're wanting to put over Monty Brown and um, you know strap strap the rocket to him. Um, Hoyt's a big lad. He's he's a big intimidating guy, um, and they play up to the strength and the power of him. But uh, Monty Brown, I think the, the the only thing that I was the, there were a couple of moments. There was um, there was definitely a moment where Monty Brown nearly landed on his head. I think it was off a and it was off a hip toss or something like that. And I was looking, thinking, how how did that almost go as wrong as it looked like it did? Um, and uh, there was a um, what was it? His I wished he'd had some sort of better looking finishing sequence as well. Not a uh, fan of the pounds. <laughs> I wasn't. I felt like I was watching Jim Duggan or something like that right at the right at the finish. Just felt like they could, uh, you know, give him something a wee bit more interesting for for that. I feel um, like they got the pounds over. Okay, I, I think it works better with a six sided ring actually than you know like yeah, a, a yeah. three point stance. Whereas the this the pounds, do I have to say like that? Um, is like them coming off the rope and just smashing them. So there's like it's a bit car crashy compared to like just a a tackle sort of thing. 
how much are you enjoying saying pounds? Sorry? How much are you I'm not going to say it that way. How much are you enjoying saying the pounds? Quite a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it's incredibly annoying, so I'll stop it. <laughs> um, I think... I think they did quite a good job of getting both guys over in this match. Actually, they gave they gave Hoyt a lot of offense, um, well, where it felt like he was just there to get beat. Yeah, well, it was kind of talked around as this is the toughest match so far for Monty Brown. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, that there is the risk you then when you're putting him over, you bury Hoyt, which they didn't. Didn't um, at all. No. Yeah, I think he he got a choke slam for a. A, a, a two at right near the end of the match, I think, um, and quite a few power moves in through, mm-hmm. throughout the match. The crowd are with Monty Brown. Um, I mean, I I didn't love him, but they're with him, and that's you know that's that's the main thing. <laughs> um, yeah, he annoys me later on, but we'll get there. Do you, do you think Christopher Dan? Do you think Christopher Daniels? feels a little bit of shame calling his moonsault the best moonsault ever after watching Big Hoyt doing a moonsault. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he should. This yeah. was like someday I don't know that this felt like watching Test like a young Test but with better moves. You know, I had it in my notes that he physically looked and carried himself like Test. I thought he was far better in the ring than mm-hmm. Test ever was. Hey, hey, but if, hey, did... Any testicles listening, just take your <laughs> yeah, issues with Adam. No, yeah, I'm a testicle myself. Uh, 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 yeah, sorry about that. But but yeah, the, the, the look and the presentation and all that and the way he carried himself, I could see similarities there. I didn't know he was still uh, still in the game, actually. Mm, the murder hawks, Lance Archer. Oh. Jake Roberts was his uh, manager in AEW. Okay. okay. He was one of those guys that they didn't do very much with for a while. Okay. Um, that was a decent match. Brown hits the pounds and gets the win. Yeah. Do you know who Brown faces the next the, the next month? Mm. Jared. Nah. <laughs> uh, Captain, Same guy. Captain Charisma. <laughs> Oh, do you know? I think you've actually told me that. I think you showed me an image of I that. I did. I did. Yeah. And yeah. Damn it. I forgot. <laughs> okay. I'm really interested to get your views on this next uh, team. Okay. So okay. we go backstage. Shane Douglas is with Three Live Crew, which is made up of BG James, which is a road dog, uh, Ron Killings, and Conan. Um. I think at this point, Run the Truth Killings has had a run in WWF as K Quick, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. And was he in DX, kind of? I think he was definitely aligned he was with, with Road, Road Dog. Dog at a point. Yeah, but I don't know if he was in the group. Okay. So we've got this three live crew, um, and you've got Billy Gunn sort of trying to um, inject him into so so there was a there was a a faction called planet jarrett i think in a before this um it had jarrett and billy gunn and monty brown and i think america's most wanted possibly um but kip james is kind of moving over and he's he's saying listen uh you guys are facing team canada there's four of them um i could i'll have your back 
uh, and Conan's having having none of it, isn't he? Yeah. So the way the announcers are kind of telling it is that Conan is very happy with the group that they've got, that they've put together as three live crew. And obviously, if Billy Gunn, or what's his name here? Kip James. James. If if he is going to get involvement, I I think they tell it quite naturally as a story that his concern is that um, Road Dog, uh, BG James, is going to just leave and align himself with his old partner, which I think is is a fairly logical story. Yeah, so I yeah. think Conan is, is worried about that, then breaking up the group, yes. um, which they tell as quite a logical story. Um, and I, didn't, like, I wasn't massively a, a fan of Three Live Crew. <laughs> Who's it Conan refers to a little biatch? He says someone's a little biatch. Is it Scott Demore he's talking about? I think so. It's class. I've never heard that word for a long time. Although, I'm maybe going to take some offence to that because I was all in on Scott Demore. <laughs> what, a, what an annoying prick, but in a brilliant way. <laughs> class. Do you know he runs TNA now? I'd heard that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's Team Canada, Bobby Roode. Eric Young and a huge guy called A1 who's given me sort of Lex Luger. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah you're, you're nodding like with a grimace as if to say, yeah, me too, but in a bad way. <laughs> He's the one I was least sure about in the group right. when I was watching the match. Um, <laughs> and they come out with, with Coach Demore. I, I love this. Any sort of um, era of wrestling, there's a, co- there's a Team Canada that come out to the yeah. Canadian National Anthem. Brilliant. Um, versus three live crew, Conan, BG James, and Ron the Truth Killings. Uh, straight off the bat, we get Mike Tenay talking about formerly known as the Road Dog uh, and Billy Gunn, and they used to be the New Age Outlaws and WWE Tag Team Champions. I was quite taken aback by that. Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, if everything they're saying, I always wonder how it works, because they're, they're not trying to sell anything on that. They're not putting those names of characters on a billboard or anything like that for, mm-hmm. for trying to sell there. So I assume they're allowed to say all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose the, the the way you've probably heard it explained a few times in the past is it, it's probably okay for the the smaller company to talk about the bigger one, but you, you don't do it the other way around, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I... I, I there were a few things struck me here about because they were talking about that, and my notes just say Road Dog and Billy Gunn because okay. I couldn't I couldn't get my head around the the new names, so it helped me in that sense. Um, yeah, there, have you ever listened to Road Dog talking on his podcast? No, massively no. Okay, so I think he <laughs> is massively <laughs> impaired during this run. Oh, right, okay. So I've seen a shoot interview that I think it's Billy Gunn, Road Dog, and maybe X-Pac have done. They're talking about Triple H and all that sort yeah, of stuff. And yeah, yeah they're, they're clearly impaired, yeah. like you say. So um, he's, he's, he's pretty open about it now, but he's, I think a lot of the time, no real idea what's going on. And I was watching thinking, okay, is that happening here? I think he's always said he, he never took anything just before going in the ring, but he clearly wasn't at his best, let's say. Um, there's, like, quite a lot of dicking around. 
<laughs> with him and Ron Killings. Like yeah. they they do little dances and stuff like that. Um, before just dropping an elbow or whatever. And um, that, those were the moments I found myself really watching Road Dog and being like, yeah, there's maybe nobody home right oh, now. Yeah, I've got Killings and Road Dog dance far too much. Um, yeah. I, I, I wasn't a fan of them lip syncing either. Yeah. Cringe meter was flying off the handle there. Yeah. The the crowd were uh, chanting for the New Age Outlaws. New Age Outlaws. Classy. Yeah. So just it's what maybe, you want. It's, I suppose if if you think that's going to happen or if it is happening, you may as well reference it. There's no point mm. in trying to pretend it's not happening. There was a point. This was the first point where I think I became a bit annoyed by some of the YouTube adverts as I was watching this. Uh, well, do you know what? I was watching most of this with uh, my nine-year-old son, and he was like, "Oh, Dad, there's a way to skip the adverts. Did you know that?" And I was like, eh, "No." And he started boo, 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 and the advert was gone. So I'll show you, I'll, I'll tell you next, I'll, I'll send you a little hint on how to do that. Okay. The youth of today. I think it happened once or twice right as somebody was going for a finishing sequence. I was like, ah. Oh, you must have been, <laughs> you must have been quite gripped by this match. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean just in this match. No, this I mean match. Through the, through the show. <laughs> um, I wasn't really gripped by this match, but I quite liked Team Canada, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Yeah. I mean. Bobby Roode's a good worker, we know that. We've seen him in uh, WWE, we've seen him have a, a little bit of a run. Um, it was struck me as like a... I, I fully see how Triple H would love a guy like Bobby Roode. Yes. He can go in the ring, he carries himself a certain way, he's, he's, he's got something. Eric Young was there for a little bit, wasn't he? But he never yeah. had a big breakthrough. Yeah, um, and I, I believe that they signed him to be in, like just recently, they'd signed him to be in Bray Wyatt's new stable before he passed away. Um, and okay, then he'd just been okay. let go again. But yeah, yeah, I believe he was, yeah. Um, so there's, there's some decent workers in this match. It just, I, I think it got a bit messy for me again. Um, and... Uh, where do we end up with like oh it's uh, maybe Scott Demore is he trying to get involved with hockey sticks and yeah. things like that um, yeah and I, I, I also kind of wondered because we've been told that Billy Gunn's supposed to be there to back them up even though Conan doesn't want it he said he'll be there to back them up he's sitting there in the crowd he waits an awful long time before getting himself involved <laughs> <laughs> he's just sat at the top of the ramp for a while yeah, yeah. It, to be they, they sort of subvert your expectations because well, come the end of it, Damore does get involved. Like you say, hits I think he hits Road Dog with a hockey yeah. stick, and, and Team Canada get the win. Um, then they jump Road Dog, so James comes down and helps them. And it's at this point that they sort of offer Conan up to Billy Gunn, and he doesn't attack him, he instead helps out and, and, and wrecks the, the Team Canada guys with a steel chair yeah. um, which I quite like because a lot of time when you're watching wrestling, especially for um, people like us I've seen far too much and probably don't even enjoy watching wrestling that much, <laughs> let's be honest like uh, I'm, I'm joking but like you, you just think oh god he's going to hit Conan or whatever, mm-hmm. but he never yeah, he's um... quite honest with his intentions, yeah, because they they kind of they, they play it up a couple of times through the show that he 
he is trying to help the whole group, not just Road Dog. Mm-hmm. He is trying to be there for all of them. Um, I don't know how long that lasts and, and when they end up inevitably putting the two of them together, which I assume happens at a point. But um, I suppose if you're a company and you've got the two signed, you kind of have to at a point go with yep. it. The crowd are sitting there chanting for it. Um, but yeah, they, they did. They, they, they kept you... If if any, they maybe just kept you waiting rather than deliver straight away and and have you think mm, is he is he genuine is he because Conan sells an excellent surprised look when he gets saved <laughs> by the gun yeah because he is obviously he's the one that's been saying no don't want anything to do with them keep him out we've got our group um, and yeah when the chair shots go in on the Team Canada guys his he is selling surprise pretty nice. pretty big. I do like Conan, but at some point in this match, he takes his shoe off and throws it at somebody, and they sell yeah. it like they've been clotheslined from hell. Or yeah. They go flying over the top rope. Oh, stuff like that doesn't help. No. It's at this point, I was kind of thinking, like, and I think this sort of comes out the end of the pay-per-view for me, I'm enjoying seeing sort of fresh faces and mm-hmm. and the, the TNA uh, mm-hmm. Homegrown, if you, if you want, yeah. guys, rather than the likes of the Road Dogs and and other people that we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, okay. Franchise Shane Douglas backstage with Larry Sabisco. Um, he is looking for answers, but Larry has no answers for him. He's waiting on a call from upper management. Um, much to Douglas's unhappiness. Uh, we get some build up to the next match, which is the Ultimate X match. I think I assume they're sort of trying to give you a bit of a flavour for mm-hmm. what's to come as far as what the Ultimate X match includes. Uh, it seems like you can have X division matches involving people who are in the X division, and you can have an Ultimate X match, which involves six sided ring plus ropes above the ring in an X with turnbuckles and either a, a belt or an X hanging in the middle yeah. of the X. Yeah. Um, I think that gives you a number one, that makes you number one contender yeah. if you're... If yeah, you're it must. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I was I was quite enjoying the... I, I'd definitely seen an Ultimate X match that had AJ Styles and Chris Daniels and maybe Samoa Joe in it. Right. Um, but I, I wasn't I, I knew, I definitely knew the name going into this Chris Saban. I didn't really know the other names. Um, and I, I've been looking as they're talking about this match and, you know, basically having to climb along the ropes <laughs> to then get to the title or the X, in this case the X, and, and get that down and whoever gets it wins. And I'm looking thinking this is just me being middle-aged and, and having had too much turkey dinner and all that. Uh, looking thinking this is physically impossible. This is, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way that somebody can do this. But then when I was trying to sort of, as the match gets going, I was trying to think, well, from a psychology point of view, you have to eliminate one at least, if not two opponents, because what becomes clear really quickly is how easy it is for somebody to just pull you down Mm -hmm. when you're climbing your way across. And if anything, you're leaving yourself really exposed by by doing that. Um, So I quite like the psychology that you can put there for how this match is going to play out. Um, it's, it's an interesting concept. I think their concepts, their sort of gimmick matches are quite hit and miss in, in, 
TNA, but I didn't hate the idea of this. Yeah, I, I really like the concept of this. It, it made me think of gladiators, and it's a bit like wrestling mixed with gladiator sort of thing, which is, <laughs> nice. I mean, 13-year-old me likes that, like, <laughs> definitely. Um, and it allowed for a bit of innovation as far as, you know, some rope, eh, some moves that you've never seen before, but mm-hmm. particularly like a power bomb from, you know, put a power bomb someone down from the hanging yes. hanging rope. Yeah, um, just some, some some really good. I think this, unfortunately, this being the first Ultimate X match that I had seen, I, I think I built up my expectations, and and maybe this match didn't meet them. Probably because the X fell down halfway through the match and they had to get a ladder and put it back up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was all right. It was pretty good. It was I, th- I thought, you know, all three showed great agility. Um, there's some, like, I liked there's a knocking somebody off the ropes and then into an atomic drop. There was a nice sequence by Sabin. I think he throws one opponent into the other, then hits a DDT and it just. Aye, that was really cool. I like that yeah. as well. Um, the like, I I wasn't like I I felt like they were. I thought at the start they were positioning Matt Bentley. What have as, we even said who this match is? Oh, I don't. Maybe not. I think we mentioned Chris Sabin, but yeah, it's a triple. Um, so it's a triple threat: Chris Sabin versus Pete Williams versus Matt Bentley. Is Chris Sabin? No, none of them's a champion because this is this is for the number one contender. Yeah, for the number one contender. Yeah. So, is it Matt Bentley? The I I feel like they're talking about him like he is a star or well on his way to becoming a, a big star. Um, I think it's referenced. They've all been in these type of matches before. Right. Um, and we've we've got like th- <sighs> the X coming down does kind of <laughs> it does a wee bit. So. I think you said to me in a message, you were thinking as you were watching, oh, like, I'm surprised the X doesn't just fall down or something like that, and then it did. Um, it looked quite precarious. Yeah, which isn't ideal. But there were some, I thought there were some decent movesets. I think what I came away from, or what I was thinking part of the way through, is I was enjoying it enough as an exhibition of some moves and things like that, but I hadn't been given a reason to care enough Hmm. about who the characters were, why I should be pulling for one of them to win. You know, I I, I was just, I felt like, and again, we're watching, like we talked about in WCW all the way through, we're watching these in isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't have the characters. I knew it was Petey Williams was the the leader of Team Canada. Um, But beyond that, it wasn't an awful lot about who the other guys were. Um, So it was more just a, a sort of the odd sequence of moves, which I thought were often quite impressive. That 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 was kind of it. And yeah, and you've spoke before about how you find it difficult to get invested in a match without some sort of storyline or, or some yeah. sort of background to to it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas this felt quite um, AEW ish in that it was just quite a lot of spots and moves and. Wow! Mm-hmm. Look what these three guys can all do together, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which um, I don't, I don't massively hate, um, but I, I appreciate what you've said before that you like about need to get invested. We get a, there's a a moment where I think it's Bentley 
uh, wraps his legs around Saban's head as they're they're trying to. I think Bentley's climbing and Saban's maybe on the mat, and uh, it gets um, countered into a power bomb. Um, we get. So the X drops twice, doesn't it? Yeah, the X drops twice. And this is one of the things that really annoyed me about the match. So the X drops, it falls off. And the announcers are pretty quick to tell us it's going to be hung back up again. Yeah, they're like, no, 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 that's not how you win. You you can't do that. Because when it drops, somebody picks it up. Someone just they? walks along and picks it up. Yeah. And they're like, "No, well, no, that's that's not going to be it." So you, you're you're basically told, "Well, obviously, you can't win like that." And then <laughs> the X is back up. Um, Saban and Bentley are are sort of climbing their way towards it. Petey Williams has has just got back in the ring. Saban and Bentley knock each other down, and the X is wobbling. And Petey William <laughs> just gets himself underneath and it drops right into his lap. Um, and I'm thinking, well, obviously it's, it's going to be hung back, back up, up again. Up. Yeah. But no, this time he gets the win. They're so, they're so quick to just ring the bell. It, yeah. Normally you see the ref sort of calling for the bell, but now it's like, ding, 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 that's it now. That'll do. <sighs> the thing is, if it hadn't fallen the first time and that was the way that the match ended, it would yes. have been a really cool, sort of scripted way for it to end with a heel uh-huh. winning that way. It made me wonder, and I've not looked at anything, but it made me wonder if the first time it happened was supposed to be the finish and he just wasn't in place or mm. something like that. Because mm. um, he was right in position the second time it dropped. And both Bentley and Sabin afterwards looked furious. Mm. Um, and you just, uh, they've maybe just uh, done that off the cuff. And if they have, then we'll play yeah. it. It's quite cool. Yeah. At this point, my Wi-Fi went off. Oh, no. And what had happened was my niece was in the house. And she just decided to go up to the wall and switch off. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, had to, I had a few minutes to then ready myself mentally for it getting back on and, and, and whatever the next matchup was going to be. I did not look at all at the cards before watching this. So no, other than the matches they speak about in advance, everything was a surprise as it as it came up. Which yes. I quite enjoyed. What a rascal. Yeah. She's not getting yeah. invited over again. She's she's banned now. That's, oh, it. that's good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Um, Okay, so next we go to a video preview for the tag team title match. Um, We get a bit of backstory behind America's Most Wanted and The Naturals uh, and Team 3D, uh, who must have pretty recently um, come over from from WWE. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Basically... So it's funny because it was a preview for America's Most Wanted versus Naturals, but it's pretty much America's Most Wanted beating down Team 3D with, with Jarrett's yeah. help. Yeah. Um, but that plays into what happens later on. Um, yeah, I text you, this is a, quite an entertaining, and I, I, I like the look of America's Most Wanted. I think you said yeah. the same, the Naturals. We, we always like a tag team that have got similar uh, clothes. Uh, the, the the stuff that they're wearing, like matches, they've got mm. a, a tag team name. They do tandem moves. That's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, um, liked all of that. I just and I felt like <laughs> this was overbooked by about four finishes. Yeah, 
but apart from that, it was pretty good. But it just felt like and another and another and another one. I, I liked I liked America's Most Wanted. I like the alliance with Jarrett. I think mm-hmm. forming a faction. I like the addition of Gil Kim. I thought it fit well and nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, the thing that took me by surprise, let's say early on, is you've got this team, this badass team, this heel team, but the odds are quite quickly stacked against them. By yep. one of them getting injured, yes, and the other having to fight like a handicap match for what felt like a while, I thought that was a very strange way to start this off. Yeah, me too. I I don't know if Russo is actually on creative here, but it was and when I didn't think about it until we got to this match. But then I thought, I wonder if that is Russo. Cause, um, what about there's there's a so who have we got Harris and Storm are America's most wanted and Douglas and Stevens are the naturals. Yeah, there's a move that Storm does where he has one of them up in a razor's edge and then just spins round really fast and lets the guy go. Yeah, what do you think of that? I uh, yeah, I, like I wasn't sure how much control you could possibly have. <laughs> Like, in terms of trying to protect the safety of your opponent. Because you can't know. It's like throwing somebody off a train and expecting yeah. them to land on their feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, um, that was a bit much for me. I wasn't wasn't very keen on that. That's a bit crazy. Um, about, I would say about three, so, so like you say, one of America's most wanted gets hammered against the guardrail and, and they're out of commission for quite some time. Uh, they're back in the ring. One of the naturals gets isolated until we get the hot tag. Um, and then the match sort of changes again. One of America's most wanted brings uh, salt into the ring in yep. the most unsubtle way you've ever seen. Yep. Uh, he attempts to throw it in, in one of the naturals' face, but he gets it kicked in his his own yeah. face. He ends up doing his finishing move on the other guy from yeah. America's Most Wanted, which is pretty good. Um, then it changes again in America's Most Wanted handcuff one of the naturals to the the guardrail. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy this, but then eventually, I think it was after the soul, and then they handcuffed him. I was like, oh, this is too much. Like, how yeah. long is this going to go for? Like, how was that? See, when the handcuff spot came out, right? My thought was, right, everything that's happened since the start, don't do that. Have the naturals handcuff one of the guys, the guardrail, right at the start of the match. Yep. And then they absolutely batter the other one. Their heels, they're horrific. They're doing this. It's brutal. I, I put. Put the baby face in peril and at disadvantage. It was just such a weird way to do it. I didn't. I, I think because there'd been so many of these moments through the match, I kind of lost interest. I was mm-hmm. like, I just just end it now yeah. and we'll move on, which was a shame because, like we mentioned, that I, I didn't dislike the Naturals and I liked America's Most Wanted. I thought they were a good package as a team, but oh, cool. I, I was just done. Yeah. And there didn't seem to be much cohesion in a story that America's Most Wanted would win this match. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just like, let's do all this crazy stuff. I want to do this. I want to do this. 
and they've got the end of the match sorted, so how do we get there sort of thing? Yeah. America's most wanted when after one of the naturals gets hit in the head with a bottle. Yeah. Because I, d- I did obviously... like there's, there was a couple of things I liked though I have to say there's tag team finishers in this match like finishing moves as a team yes which have I think you know become pretty rare certainly on WWE programming over many years but it, it's a bit of a throwback or it feels to me like a bit of a throwback yeah, to, to old school tag team wrestling so I like those but I did not like there's a chair shot to the head of Douglas by Storm I think it is when he's handcuffed yeah mm-hmm. didn't, didn't like that and no. like a, no as if all the different things they did in the match wasn't enough they then have to yeah. start leathering him about the head with a, no. with a chair as well I think they do the demolition finishing move at one point. Yeah, I think I think they do. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. That's what we want to see. Yep. Okay. What did you think of James Mitchell? Hmm. That's they're, they're the best set of eyebrows since uh, Scorsese. So I've seen a few like he's one that I remembered when when the times I have watched AEW because I think Abyss has been a bit of a a staple there. I think he was always on the big shows. So you would get James Mitchell with Abyss. He's he's a bit over the top. He's he's quite a character. Um, but I, I had some issues with the setup of this. Okay, let's talk about it then. So we're previewing the Monsters Ball. Yeah. The Monsters Ball concept is that the participants are locked in a dark room for 24 hours before the match, no food, no drink, and then they're like let out for the match. So that, that is that what are you saying? You had some issues with the concept of that? Yeah, like so. I I think I get what they're getting at. You know, you you, you hear horrific stories about people locking up dogs and and before fighting and stuff like that. I was thinking this is the the kind of thing that they're they're going for here. Is but, that a thing? Yeah, I said, God, don't yeah. worry. I've never heard that before. But, That's horrible. But, but, no, no, they didn't. <laughs> like, well, Abyss like, was there backstage for that. Like, James Mitchell's right there. You could chuck him a bottle of water. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, like, I don't know, like, they're they're selling it as this brutal match. I don't think it needs that. I don't think it needs somebody saying they haven't had food or water for 24 hours. I mean, I mean, they have. Come on. If I'm trying to suspend my disbelief here, I know these guys have had food and water. And I know, I know that they've had them that day. It's, it's, I, I just felt it was unnecessary. Mm, I think I agree. I kind of agree with you, but I also quite like the sort of different different sort of aspect of it because if it was just a four-way hardcore match, we'd be sitting here complaining that it's just an ECW throwback. I suppose I, I get what you're saying, though. I, this is Abyss's match, isn't it? Monster, yeah, Monsters yeah ball. I think I think if we have a Monsters Ball every year, I think he'll be the constant. He'll be in it every year. This is what I liked. I, I thought this James... I, I need to read more about this James Mitchell guy. If he was in the territories, I bet he was brilliant. I bet they hated him wherever <laughs> he went. He says, uh, inviting Abyss to a Monsters Ball is like inviting a veteran with a purple heart to a game of paintball. I loved that. 
Amazing. He goes on to start talking about how like it'll be great to start off with, and then they'll they'll crack and start losing yeah. their head, sort of thing. Um, I liked him. He's very camp and and sort of. Uh, I don't know, he would have fitted in like 90s WWF yeah. sort of stuff, yeah. wouldn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I I like the idea of an Abyss type character having somebody speaking like for that. him. Yeah. I don't want to hear him speaking. Uh, I, I, I'd rather he never did. Um, so I think that, that worked. What What is Abyss supposed to be? Like a mental patient type of asylum? Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I, always, I remember when I first saw him. Maybe the unfortunate thing was I'd already seen Mankind, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, "Is it just like a version of Mankind?" He's he's you know bigger. He's a big guy. Yeah. Um, he's Kane-esque and, sort of size. Yeah, of yeah. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's that's probably about right. Escaped mental patient type type situation. Um, yeah, it's. it's <laughs> I've actually got some positive things about James Mitchell in my notes <laughs> as well. Just saying I really like the stuff he's saying, the way he comes across. It's entertaining. Yeah, he's very entertaining. I hope we get more of him. Yeah. Um, so we get a Monsters Ball four-way match, which was kind of like a love letter to ECW a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's Sabu versus Jeff Hardy versus the Man Beast Rhino versus Abyss. Um I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest and say, I've I've spoken in the past how I quite like when WCW did their hardcore uh, mm-hmm. division, and it was isolated, and it was just like that one yeah. match where there was hardcore rules, and it wasn't like everybody's got barbed wire and everybody's yeah. smacking everybody with steel chairs and, and whatever. And I liked this for that reason as well. This was mental, absolute mayhem. But it was just this match that was like that. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the fact that they've made it this type of match kind of isolates it in terms of, yeah, it's only here where this is going to happen, uh-huh. which is fine. Um, I did still, like, I think a message is saying, as soon as all the weapons came out, I was like, ah. Uh, like, I, it's, it's not my favourite type of match. The other thing with this as a negative, I didn't hate all of it. There were some bits of it I liked. But the other thing that I didn't like was once it gets to that kind of setup, I find it quite hard to follow because there's so many different things going on Uh, at the same time. uh, They split off two and two almost immediately. Um, Jeff Hardy and Abyss away off into the crowd, Sabu and Rhino somewhere else. Uh, it's impossible for the commentary team, let alone mm-hmm. put the people watching, to keep on top of. Um, I think Jeff dives off something pretty early on, doesn't he? Does he, he yeah. climb up into the crowd and does like a double axe handle? Yeah, uh, jump. Yeah, it's off like an entrance way from in the crowd. Yeah. the first one. Um, yeah, you've got um, Sabu just launching the chairs at, at people. It's yeah. brutal. It's, a, it's the same as that move, America's Most Wanted move. Like, how do you control that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got it in my mind. That was quite often a Sabu thing. Mm-hmm. No, like rather than hit people with the chairs, they just throw them at folk. Um, Abyss does some sort of horrible backbreaker type thing on Jeff Hardy, which looked brutal. Yeah. Um, there's there's only one. Well, we just well we just talk about the talking point of the match. Will we? Well, we okay. just jumped it. <laughs> 
so, well, to be fair, like Sabu goes through about forty tables in this match. It does, yeah. Um, but as Jeff and Abyss are fighting away up on the uh, towards the crowd, up towards the ramp, um, in the entrance way, they start uh, setting up two tables. Eventually, Abyss gets laid on the tables. And uh, Jeff starts doing his old, like, sort of looking around um, everywhere. So so Abyss is down a level from the stage. Mm -hmm. So then there's the stage, and then there's the the arch that the wrestlers come through as an entranceway. Then above that entranceway, there's some sort of podium. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Hardy takes a ladder to that and climbs all the way up to that. It's dif- it's really difficult to tell how high in the area is because the camera shot is coming from a way down where uh-huh. Abyss is looking up the way. So it probably yeah. makes it look a lot steeper than it actually is. But it's still some way that he dives. Yeah. He surpasses, he can only pass the stage by what we would say a bow here. Yeah. I think the the thing when I saw it, it it freaked me out because to land on abyss just again from the angle we can see he has to not clear the lip of the ramp by too much otherwise uh-huh, right, he'll overshoot past the best. Yep. And the fact it's a what is it is it a swanton? Yep. Is it yeah means that he is going to be his head's uh, going to be sort of passing the stage. Yeah, Pretty much. and when you see, like, he hits it and he executes it and he's fine. But all I could see after that was, if he is just a foot out or a couple of feet out, his head Break is going to smack. Yeah, and, and, and it'd probably kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, when I was watching it, that that's what. Rather than wow, my mind immediately went to ah, uh, nah, nah. Because he could have way too easily died there. Um, yeah, I think it's one of out. the the of of all the bumps and dives and, and you know like the Shane McMahon thing of you know falling from that great height mm-hmm. that he did and all those things. Uh, mankind falling off the cell. I think it's one of the most reckless things I've ever seen. Yeah, because most of those were straight down. You know, you you didn't mm-hmm. have to clear something. You you your your landing spot was below you and a little bit out. The fact he had to clear that stage area to to then connect that that's what freaked me out. Like obviously we've we've I think we've we've probably talked a few times about the you know the mankind hell in a cell and the first one maybe I mean it looks sore. <laughs> Everything about it tells you it's sore, but the one that went where he went through was the one that really hurt him mm-hmm. because of the the landing. Mm-hmm. And I always think how like I assume Jeff Hardy's very good at controlling his landing and knowing where he needs to hit. But just for that, for for there to be any element of chance or risk, and the thing that annoyed me that message about was it's not even the end nah. of the match. If if you're going all out bloody Wrestlemania main event in the finishing spot or something like that do your thing if you must but like, for it like, to just your, be your a Lesnar moment shooting star press or something like that yeah yeah but for it to just be a moment in this match that yeah 
I bet that people who were there went away and talked about it after, but I just thought the risk level was far too high. Yeah, that should have been them out the match. Like they should yeah. have come back in the match. Like, yeah. Abyss is in the ring like within yeah. five minutes, yeah. probably less. And <sighs> you know he. I think he, he catches Sabu and throws him over the ropes through a table yeah. as he gets back in the ring. Um, so for that point of view, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as that should have been them. That should have been enough to take them out of the match. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. Um, Rhino goes abyss through a corner table. There's so much table action. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and to win this match... Rhino hits Jeff Hardy with a pile driver off the second rope that yeah. seeing on slow motion looks absolutely disgusting. Like His neck there, and there shoulders was, are all over the place. Yeah, there was something about that, because it, it's like Hardy pops out of position as he's about to land it, and by the time he actually, Rhino actually hits the ground, he's almost already on his neck. Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. I, it just it didn't. I watched it and thought that can't be the way that you're supposed to take that. Um, yeah, oh. I see this a lot, but I I, I can remember seeing a match like that, very ECW esque. Yeah, yeah. throw New Jack into that and get some some gangster rap playing in the background, and you'd be right at home. Some of it was quite entertaining, mm-hmm. um, and. I think they probably had the right mix of people yep. in there because yep. you know Jeff Hardy's going to jump off something. Um, you know Abyss is going to do all his uh, sort of his strong power, big moves, sort of be also a bit of a scary, just keeps coming at you type performer. Um, Sabu is going to do some crazy shit. He's in so there controlled, he's Sabu. Sabu. Yeah. <laughs> the way he just he glides about the place. He does. Um, and I, I always really liked Rhino. Like I've, I've, I, he's never going to be, you know, getting your five star matches and stuff like that. But I think he's a good worker, right. and I think he's impactful. You know, he'll he'll do things, and you'll you'll remember seeing him on yeah, the show. Absolutely, yeah. I, I like Rhino as well. Um, so yeah, so that is not the end of. I don't think any of these men is it? We, we, we see them. Do we see them all again? Are they all back? Yeah, I think they're maybe so, all yeah. back. Um, more more monsters ball matches. I did watch the pay per view after this, and Sabu and Abyss have a barbed wire match where the where the ropes are replaced with barbed wire. No, okay. <laughs> too far. Too far. I'll, I'll I'll leave them to that one. Uh, backstage, Legend Larry decides to have a 10-man gauntlet match uh, to, to decide who will um, face Jeff Jarrett. Shane Douglas's input is just to completely repeat that. You know, like, he just says exactly what he's just said. Jeff Hardy's, uh, Jeff Jarrett's completely pissed with that. He's not happy at all. I couldn't see why Jeff Jarrett would be pissed. Like, like that's the best the, possible outcome, surely. There, there is a moment where Douglas jumps the gun a wee bit because he says, ten men who have already competed mm-hmm. here tonight will compete yet again, and then the winner faces Jarrett." Now, I think it, there's maybe one that ends up in it that didn't compete previously, yep. but um, I, I'm sitting there thinking Jeff has some nerve being pissed off with it. Absolutely, the so guys have had one match; they have to have another match, and then he just gets to pick the bones of whatever's left. Absolutely. Come on, Jeff. King of the mountain. <laughs> uh, next up is a bona fide five-star classic oh. in my book. 
Um, oh, I love this. A 30-minute Ironman match for the X Division Championship. I think they tell us it's a rematch from a match that they had uh, earlier in the year. It's Christopher Daniels versus AJ Styles, who is the X Division Champion. Um, for me, Adam, this is the best Ironman match I've seen. Nice. Uh, I, I uh, tremendous. I really enjoyed this. I was thinking, see, when it started, I had no real idea how they were going to go with it. You know, um, I think in my mind, I worried that it was going to be like 10 9 mm-hmm. or something like that. And just like back and loads forward, back and forward of quick, big moves and all that kind of thing. But I, I, a few minutes in, it didn't take that long. I was thinking, these guys have seen, you know, matches like uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and. and I think the, the the announcers help you play off how well these two know each other mm-hmm. and how that may make it difficult to take advantage and get a fall and things like that because yeah. they know what the other is likely to do. So you get a lot of counters, but they're not ridiculous counters. They are, I'm getting out of that move counters. Um, it's really well paced, uh, I thought. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to mention as well. There's, they start off really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great little spot where uh, AJ Styles boots Christopher Daniels over the barricade at, right in the crowd in the front row. <laughs> and then the way that the camera's positioned, Styles comes just flying out of nowhere, right in the crowd, just yep. clears the barricade and no more. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> but from there, they slow it down, but not in a way, you know We've spoke, definitely spoke about this before, WrestleMania 12, Brett and Sean. Mm-hmm. It's slow for quite a long period. Yeah. For multiple yeah. periods. Um, this didn't feel like that. It genuinely felt like AJ Styles was taking him down and controlling him to control him. Yeah. Um, uh, which I really liked. The I thought the, like, you talked about the announced team, you know, kind of being there in the background, not trying to make themselves the star and all that. I thought they did that well here while still explaining because there's a few moments where Don West is getting a little bit excitable and almost frustrated on behalf of the performers. And Mike Tenay's bringing him back a wee bit to say, you know, this is a half-hour match. These things may not be getting them falls right now, but with every move and every, you know, second that ticks by, these guys are getting more and more worn out. Um, nice. So I thought they were they were doing a good job of telling the story and always keeping the stakes seem like they were really high. Mm. Um, and it's the X Division title. It's obviously a big sort of selling point of, of TNA. It's, it's maybe it's a thing that is just theirs. It's it's not a thing in WWE. It's you know you have a cruiserweight or something like that. It's different from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought the, the the importance of the match came across really well. Yep, hundred percent. I like what you said there about the commentary team. I didn't pick it up, but now that you're saying it, I, I appreciate. It. I like that. Um, aye, well paced. I think about halfway through. They start to pick it up again after they've taken that time to, to, to let AJ Styles sort of control it for quite some time. I think this might be the first Christopher Daniels match I've ever seen. Okay. Um, I was really impressed with him. I thought he was amazing. Yeah. He, like, I know he had 
a series of matches with AJ Styles and then sometimes Samoa Joe was in the mix with one or both of them. Um, and I think they were all just really good wrestlers and it just worked. I, I think... Um, did you ever hear the story that he was under consideration to be the higher power? So in towards the end of this match, it's all I could think about. <laughs> now, and, and Vince, in the end, changed his mind and was like, he's not... He's too small or something. Yeah, and I don't know, did he mean that purely physically or the fact that he wasn't known or, or whatever it was. Um, but if he was younger now, if he was this age now, Triple H would sign him in a heartbeat. Oh, 100%. Uh, him and, a, him and Daniel really Bryan or somebody like that put on a hell of a match. Yeah, yeah. Brian Daniels. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's there, there's so much back and forward here, but I think you kinda alluded to it. It's not back and forward in a way of like I'll do my finisher and you'll kick out, then you do your finisher uh-huh. and, and I'll kick out. It's more reversals and um ways of getting out of moves that they've become familiar with through mm-hmm. facing each other. It's difficult to describe actually because there's so much in it. There's so much like really impressive technical wrestling. AJ Styles mm-hmm. is just amazing. I, what I found as I was going through because it's interesting. I think sometimes when you don't know necessarily what the finishing moves are of the participants, um, I was seeing some big moves at times. Like there's there's definitely a moment where. AJ Styles seems like he's in trouble and it's like a desperation act. He hits the, well, they refer to it as the Paley kick, uh, Paley <laughs> kick um, on Daniels. But he can't make a quick cover. He's exhausted. He's been beaten down. So it's not a case of his finisher isn't, one of his signature moves isn't getting the three count. It's that he cannot get there to make the cover quick enough to, to take advantage of it. So I thought they told that side of it really well. Um and I thought as well there were different guys are on top through various points in the match. Um, and every now and then, I, I didn't find myself, I think the clock's always there mm-hmm. in the corner, but I wasn't really looking at it. Um, and there was a point when I looked and a, about 15 minutes had passed. And I thought, oh, okay, it's still nil-nil. Um, I still don't know what way they're going to go with this. but. I didn't ever feel like I was clock watching. Um, I wasn't like, and, and then it got to five minutes, and I was thinking, okay. But then, for some reason, I was overcome by like WCW booking fear, uh-huh. and I convinced myself that someone was gonna get what would have been a decisive pin, like with a second two seconds left. Yep. And it would go one, two, time would run out. Uh, <laughs> and like, it's, it's zero, zero. It's, that's it. It's, it's the end of the match. And then as it was pulling towards its final sequence, I thought, oh no, they are. They're, <laughs> they're doing this. And then they didn't, which, you know, for me was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. With two minutes, I've got in my notes here, there's two minutes to go. I have no idea how this is going to finish, which is just like, almost impossible to do I think Mm. Um, this is the type of match or this is the type of ending that WCW tried to do but failed I think Yeah. Uh, the fact that that AJ Styles wins it with two seconds to go um, 
didn't bother me at all. I mean, I, I think the fact that it's so, so, so close, it's only 1-0 within the space of 30 minutes is mm-hmm. perfectly sort of sums up the way that these two know each other and wrestled against each other. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the timing of it because there there are a couple of attempts right at the end. Like there's a jawbreaker and a kick by Daniels and he's going for, I think it's referred to as Angel's Wings move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe about, 30 seconds left at that point. AJ counters um, and then he, like, what is it he actually does to get the Styles Clash? He gets yeah. the Styles Clash. And I'm looking at the time because I'm still convinced they're doing this WCW thing. <laughs> and I thought, right, and he set him up for it and there's eight seconds on the clock. And I thought, they might still do it because it might just be that you can't cover him. Um, and he gets the cover like, with five seconds showing on the clock. But you know that's decisive because uh-huh. it's impossible for Daniels to actually get anything. There's less than, even if it was an immediate cover or something like that, there's yeah. less than three seconds left on the clock. I really enjoyed it. I I, I felt really in it, like mm-hmm. I was gripped and absorbed in yeah. the match from right at the start of it. Yeah, same. Just like I said, I, th- I think not having a clue where they were going and, and how they were going to end it and who was going to win and how they were going to do it, I think I felt the same, completely gripped. End up coming out that thinking that X division is like the division to watch now. That's mm-hmm. elevated higher than the, the, the heavyweight title for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels quite intercontinental title-ish in mm-hmm. that it looks like guys that are at the top of that that sort of bit yeah. glass ceiling sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the fans probably saw it that way for a long time. The X Division was like theirs. Uh-huh. It was their thing and for their guys, not the guys that were moving across. It's amazing you know, like somebody it's amazing to think that those guys somebody never watched that match and tried to poach yeah. both of them. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um yeah. Watch that match if you can. It's an absolute classic. I heard there was a, I was listening to Kurt Angle's podcast on Sunday and he was talking about, like, there was always this story that when Hogan and Bischoff come in, they, they like, they didn't know who AJ Styles was and they weren't wanting to do anything with him. Angle was kind of disputing that. He was like, look, they might, you know, you might have this idea of Hogan and Bischoff, but if you actually look at results, they actually, once Hogan and Bischoff are there, AJ Styles beats Kurt Angle three matches in a row. Wow. And they're like, you know, they're paying me a lot of money. You can't tell me that they don't see something in AJ Styles if they're putting him over mm-hmm. on me three in a row. They may have wanted to pull more character or personality out or something, but they definitely knew what was there. They, they could see something there. So Angle's, Angle's run in TNA crosses over with Hogan, does it? Yeah, Hogan and Bischoff are brought in, and yeah, that's I amazing think to think that there's an attempt even to do Monday nights. Mm-hmm. I knew point. that, um, and I think that was maybe driven by the ambition of having folk like Hogan and Bischoff there. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's Hogan and Bischoff's idea to get rid of the six sided. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all still to come, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our next match is the ten man gauntlet match, and I mean we're we're sort of I was a bit like, oh right, we're we're straight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably going to be quite a difficult 
match to talk about simply because it's like the big the big sort of parts about this match is the people coming out. <laughs> yeah. I've 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 got some notes about it and I've got each entrant and elimination. Right. Oh wow. Um, okay. So, so it starts okay. off Smojo and Ron Killings. Yeah. So the idea is it's it's those two for two minutes and then every minute another participant's gonna join the match. And when it gets down to two, they then have a pinfall wins that Yes. Quite a cool concept actually. Yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't hate it. Um so yeah, uh we they they quickly talk through the rules. Truth's doing some like mocking nice. Joe. Yeah. Um Joe Joe kicks his face off. Yeah, Joe Joe never looks like a guy you would fuck nah. with. I mean yeah. Um we've got uh <laughs> Sabu coming in. Uh he looks absolutely beat to hell when he comes in. He's got a chair with him. Uh, I ended up looking up Sabu's age after this because I was like, he's just looked. He's like Arn Anderson. He's so beat up here, but he'll be loving life. Um, what age do you think he is now? In or, here, or I know what age he is now, so I can work out. So, so say roughly twenty years. I right. Okay, I'll guess here. He's. 40. Mm-hmm. I'd be roughly that. Yeah. I'd be ages worse now. Um, yeah, his, his, his face was selling his age. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's throwing chairs about, uh, doing his jump on the ropes thing. I, I loved I loved the way he used to run on the ropes and, and spring off them and stuff Amazing. like that. Um, Joe, again, I think just had enough, sends the chair into the knee of Sabu. Uh, <laughs> Big Lance Hoyt is out next. Yep. Um, got some some uh, offense by Joe. Um, it's the DDT. The crowd are chanting Joe for Joe. Um, Abyss the next out, and I'm starting to think as I'm watching it, we need an elimination or two here, or it's going to get awful busy awful quickly. Yeah. Uh, the the crowd pop for a stare down between Joe and Abyss. They do. Um, yeah. Wonder if we'll get that, that paid back. Surely mm. at some point. They, they, they definitely seem. Into it. They have themselves um, a bit of a, a, a chop off. Yeah, and then I think it's uh, Ron Killings that, that gets himself involved for some reason, jumping in and, and getting involved in that fight. I would have just left them to it myself. <laughs> um, Jeff Hardy comes out next. He is hobbling like hell, um, but at least the performers were selling that they, yep. they weren't. I would have probably been really annoyed if somebody came out looking fresh as a daisy, smiling. Um, yeah. Um, there's uh, Monty Brown comes out next. He, he joins us. He does. He hits the um, yeah on oh, Sabu. Uh, we're we're about to get to my issue with Monty Brown. <laughs> what does Monty uh, Brown do? So we've got Jeff Hardy charging at Monty Brown, who I think is supposed to just like throw him over the top, mm-hmm. and, and so. They, they kind of both end up going over and Monty Brown's eliminated. The whole thing looked a bit messy. Um, what, what I would have said happens is Monty eliminates Jeff Hardy and then throws himself out the ring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. So it, it, it maybe was supposed to be they both went over together. Yeah. Um, and Monty has failed, I think, to, to go over. So then throws himself over. And then the announcers are trying to explain it like, oh, Monty didn't know the rules. And then, like, I thought, well, are you just making him sound a bit stupid now? Because, um, yeah, he's, he's he's basically 
eliminated himself after fucking up, I think, is, is the way that's going. Yeah. Um, we get... Um, the Man Beast is out next, is he? Uh, yes, Rhino's out next. Um, there's a group of them try to eliminate Abyss, but he, he survives that attempt. Um, Hoyt comes in, tries to have a go at Rhino. Uh, Rhino hits him big clothesline, sends him out, eliminates Lance Hoyt. Um, Billy Gunn in next, so he's fresh. He's the guy that had not been in a match beforehand. You, you would think uh, he's going to win it, wouldn't you? Just when I saw him fact. come out, I assumed he was going to win it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, we've got, we're, we're told there'll be one more entrant to come. Um, there's suggestion it's likely to be Raven, but no. Um, the the entrant that comes out as the final one is a very badly hobbling AJ Styles. <laughs> I properly um, burst out laughing when he started coming out because he could barely walk. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't need this right now. They, that, the thing that annoyed me a wee bit was they massively played on the emotion at the end of the Daniels and Styles match. Like he looks incredibly he's emotional that he's just that. gone through this yep. and all that, and then he's just having to hobble out for this match again. Uh, we've got there's there's a bit of confusion because they don't point out the fact they miss it that Sabu gets eliminated, um, yeah. and. I think the camera maybe didn't catch it or something like that, but uh, Don West mentions it as Sabu gone, and I think Mike Tenay's like, no, I don't think mm. so, and then it gets confirmed a little bit later on he, he, he has been eliminated. Um, Abyss throws Billy Gunn onto the apron, and then uh, he's, it's like he's then trying to eliminate killings. Billy Gunn is trying to keep killings in. It didn't they come off made, brilliantly. Nah, they made that. a mess of that as well. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't know that killings actually looked in that much danger of elimination. But Gunn just, yeah. The, the story is he took one for the team and basically eliminated himself trying to save uh, killings. Uh, AJ Styles with another. <laughs> Pele kick uh, on Killings. Uh, Killings sent over. Gun again tries to stop him from hitting the ground. Uh, Joe just bangs into Killings and knocks him out. Um, so that's Killings gone. Down to four, final four. Abyss, Rhino, Joe, and AJ. Um, Co- Joe with Coquina a coach, yep. Yeah, uh, Abyss walks up behind, so that's on AJ. Abyss walks up behind them, pushes them both over. So we're down to Abyss and Rhino. The, the fans gore. are gutted. I think they want Joe to win this. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, this time will come. It'll be fine. Uh, big gore by Rhino, and then he, he uh, eliminates Abyss. Rhino will face Jarrett. They're talking about the fact Rhino's, you know, just been through this as well as his previous match. He's a broken man. Uh, Do you think he's had food? No, nah, wouldn't get it. He is a man beast. Yeah. Um, I I was then very surprised. I think it was mentioned earlier in the card. I just don't think I picked up on it. Tito Ortiz (laughs) is coming out. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Like... I I remember like we we got a wee bit into UFC in in some of the like when it became mainstream some of the early stages of that um, and Tito Ortiz was a thing he was on like the show wasn't he the the ultimate well, the fighter thing. yeah um, he had his, his his rivalries with Shamrock and with uh, yeah. Chuck Liddell yeah um, so yeah Tito Ortiz out as a special ref as ordered by the living legend Larry Zabisco. 
Um, I think TNA and UFC had a bit of a partnership thing going, and and UF, they were uh, advertising on UFC TV and, and stuff. Yeah. Like um, thing I did not expect to see. So Jarrett comes out, he's fresh as a daisy. He's got his guitar. That didn't surprise me. He's come out like through this pyro and the smoke and all that and then he's signalling uh-huh. to the back and I'm thinking, I'm expecting to just see you know, uh, America's Most Wanted Gail yeah, Kim. I thought it was just out. for Gail Kim but, but no there's a casket <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever associated Jeff Jarrett with caskets No, and it's also not like it's a built up rivalry where he yeah, wants to didn't even, he's just a didn't bad know who bastard he was going to be facing until two minutes before yeah. And they said, Jeff Jarrett has said that someone will go home in a casket. Yeah. Oh, well, he's a man of his word, I suppose. Yeah, that that threw me off right from the start. I was like, so this is a thing. Jeff Jarrett and The Undertaker are the two casket wrestlers? Nice. I thought Rhino looked like he was made of rubber. Um, when he came out, he just looked absolutely goosed. And who could blame mm-hmm. him? Yeah. Um, pretty relatively short match, wasn't it? Yeah, quite a lot of nonsense in the aftermath, but yeah. Um, some some interesting stuff going on. Gail Kim, at one point, just <laughs> takes it upon herself to try and dive on Rhino, but but luckily for T Ortiz, he catches her and um, ejects her from the match. He's, he's, he takes his eye off the ball of the match a wee bit, though. He I does. Mean, he, he, he seems to make a point of carrying her or walking her all <laughs> the way up the ramp. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's forgotten there's even a match on the go here. Maybe all part of Jeff's master plan. So, so, so this allows Jarrett to, to smash Rhino right in the head as he attempts a yeah. goal, which is quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it did. It looked like, cause it, it looked in a way like he ran right into it, but knowing he uses the gore, it at least made sense because huh? he he just he missed the first swing, didn't he, Jarrett? Yep. And then Rhino's going for the gore, and he just runs straight into the guitar shot. Um, that that gets a two count from Tito. He makes his way from the very top of the ramp to the ring very quickly. Mm-hmm. To yeah, be fair, um, Jarrett has got another guitar from somewhere and goes for another shot, but he gets gored. Mm-hmm. And pinned for the one, two, three. Yep. The man beast is NWA heavyweight champion. He wins his. Did he win the Monsters Ball? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. He wins yeah, his he third match night, of the night. Yeah, yeah. Who, won all three. Inc- incredible. Yep. Um, we get a bit of aftermath. America's Most Wanted come down. They could have been down three seconds earlier and stopped their man getting pinned yeah. there. But, um, yeah. They ambush Rhino. Uh, three live crew come out to help out, but then team. I mean, this ring's not big enough for all these people. <laughs> team Canada then come out. You must have about what? What have you got there? Five, eight, eleven people in the ring, or something like that. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> uh, Jarrett rattles Rhino with a guitar and locks Rhino into the casket, so the casket comes into play. Um, you've got Jarrett stood aloft, and then you suddenly hear the. So they were allowed to use that bit of their WWF yeah. music. It's, that was nicely done. Thanks. It's Team 3D. Um, apparently, Devon and, and uh, Bubba are enough to be able to take on all of these people on their own. Yeah, easy. 
Um, Eric, poor Eric Young gets 3D'd and slammed in <laughs> yeah. the casket. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I felt for him. Should have been Janet, surely. Poor Eric. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's pretty much the end of the show. I, I, I was getting myself a little bit worked up because it looked like we were going to finish with like the Dudleys on top. Yeah, and like Rhino's just won three matches. <laughs> yeah, but eventually I think Rhino ends up standing on top of the casket with, the, with the title. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's it. Enjoyable. I thought if if you've lost Nash, if you've legit lost Nash, you've had this plan. I thought it was quite a nice pivot because um, I like Rhino, um, and uh, in a company like this, I could see him being the champion in these stages. Um, I think Jarrett maybe think, wins the belt back, like the following impact. Quite quick. Yep. Yeah, I, like I, I wouldn't have expected him to be champ for long, but I was happy. I thought that was quite a good ending to the show. The crowd wanted Joe. Like, the crowd would have gone insane if that had been Samoa Joe that was in that spot. But it was maybe a bit too early for, mm-hmm. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you mentioned the sort of ECW influence and, you know, you've got at the end of this three pretty big players in ECW um, being there with the world title and a, a dominant showing by, by a returning tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I wasn't it was never going to be and it shouldn't be a classic match for the title match you know the the guy who is going into it has been in two matches already so I thought it did it, it did a job it did it was good you, you expected shenanigans I think we've spoken yeah. about Jarrett before and that he's neither of our favourite sort of wrestler <laughs> in the ring or anything like that but you yeah. expect the shenanigans and the guitar shots and uh-huh. Do, do you know what stood out to me, actually? TRT's a light heavyweight in the UFC at this point, and I think Jarrett was bigger than him. Really? And I don't consider, yeah. I would never consider Jarrett to be, like, a big... Nah, I never really thought of him that way. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I don't mind him here in the role he's in. You know, he's... I quite like him as leading a faction, and uh, the group he's got around him, I think, work. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't... There was a lot of WCW havocs that were a lot worse than this. Definitely, absolutely. <laughs> like shave off the six man tag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe a couple other matches. Maybe the X Division, the Ultimate X Division match, or something. Yeah. Like it's a really good pay per view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fairly optimistic right now. Same, actually, same. But you know. Why do we do this? <laughs> I mean, we are going to just jump a year into the future, uh, so things are going to have changed. By by next time, we'll have Christian. Christian debuts the next pay-per-view, I think. Yes. I think. Um, or or, or he, certainly he's, he's in the company. And I don't know if we've got Angle or not, or maybe Angle. Maybe. I think Angle debuts round about the next pay-per-view. Okay. Um, so hopefully we have him. That would be good. If not, then we might get him on the pay-per-view at least. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good good start. Good start. Yeah. We, we're not going to look at the card, are we? Nah, I I really enjoyed going in cold to this one um, and just seeing what happened about yeah. that. Let's keep we'll keep that going for a wee bit. I think. Okay, I'm just looking at 2006 horror films. 
I think we're probably going to have to come back to that. Okay. Could be all the boys love Mandalorian. Oh, classic. <laughs> or the um, the Hills Have Eyes remake. Oh wow. Or Um, we'll come back to that. Okay. Excellent. Well, a good first step on the journey, I think. Yeah. Well, it's fair Definitely. to say. Um, yeah. And we'll look forward to it. We'll look forward to what, what the future is to bring. I'm very excited about this whole... Uh, it's funny that they've just brought back the whole TNA stuff. It's, it's all... Mm-hmm. I think Chris Sabin might still be the X-Division champion. <laughs> Not that I think he's held it for 20 years or anything, but... <laughs> Oh no, he, he wasn't a champion here. He wasn't a champion. Maybe. Not, not yet. No, I, I think they mentioned he had been though. I think. I think he will be. Yeah. Nice. Right. Well, we shall speak in two weeks. Um, take it easy, and keep on making an impact. No, yeah. we need to work on that. Okay. Yeah. Bye bye. Get better. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs>